Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. Our reading this week is from Luke chapter 19. As Jesus came to Bethphage and to Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he gave two disciples a task. He said, Go into the village over there. When you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, Why are you untying it? Just say, Its master needs it. Those who had been sent found it exactly as he had said. As they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, Its master needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their clothes on the colt, and lifted Jesus onto it. As Jesus rode along, they spread their clothes on the road. As Jesus approached the road leading down from the Mount of Olives, the whole throng of his disciples began rejoicing. They praised God with a loud voice because of all the mighty things they had seen. They said, Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heavens. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, scold your disciples. Tell them to stop. He answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the stones would shout. As Jesus came to the city and observed it, he wept over it. He said, If only you knew on this, of all days, the things that lead to peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. The time will come when your enemies will build fortifications around you, encircle you, and attack you from all sides. They will crush you completely, you and the people within you. They won't leave one stone on top of another within you because you didn't recognize the time of your gracious visit from God. Here ends the reading. You know, growing up in the church, uh, not in the church, growing up um, unchurched in as an American in kind of the, the American culture, general American culture, we generally know about two holidays, two Christian holidays more than any others. We know about Christmas and Easter. And we know about them because they're also big non-religious holidays in the U.S. Christmas has become a big holiday around gift giving and around seeing family. And we have Santa Claus and we have all of these various Christmas traditions. And Easter has become uh, synonymous with spring and with uh, the Easter bunny and with egg hunts and uh, candy, and chocolates and things like that. And so growing up, those were the things that I knew about Christmas and Easter. And it wasn't until I was really an adult before I started to know and, and learn the, the true um, history and, and story behind both of those holidays. And, you know, growing up and not, not being someone who attended church very often, uh, unless I was kind of taken with my extended family or um, with a friend um, to, to church, I would have guessed that Christmas 
was the more important of those two holidays because it certainly had a had a much larger uh, uh, social gathering aspect to it. It was you know we didn't really get together with our extended family on Easter. We didn't we didn't do big things. We had, we had an Easter basket in the morning and an Easter egg hunt, and then we were done for the day. Right, I mean that wasn't a big deal. But Christmas, Christmas we had. Christmas Eve with the family, we had Christmas morning, we had Christmas Day with the family again, you know, there was all this time leading up to it and everything. And so I think a lot of people who who aren't Christian or are or, or perhaps just not uh, not very, uh, not, not really practicing Christians, you know, they might be Christians, but just not folks who go to church very often, um, you know, may, may think they're the same, about the same... Um, importance or may think more of, of, you know, Christmas just because that's how it seems in, in the culture. And it wasn't until I really became um, a disciple of Jesus and, and really started studying the Bible uh, and and whatnot that I came to realize just how important Easter was. And, and as someone in the position I'm in now, it seems it seems almost ridiculous to me that I would think otherwise because I know now what I didn't know then. And of course, Easter is, is the more more important of the two. In fact, Easter is the most important holiday in the in the Christian calendar. And for a long time, Christmas wasn't even celebrated. Christmas wasn't wasn't really celebrated uh, until relatively recently, um, all things considered. But Easter has been celebrated since the very beginning of the church, and a lot of very important things happen on Easter. It's it's uh, it's traditionally the time when uh, folks get baptized in the in the uh, ancient church. There was a the baptism process uh, at one point required uh, several years of study, and then uh, after several several years of study, I think it was, I think it was three years, uh, you'd be baptized on Easter and become part of the congregation. This kind of thing, and so and Easter has this, is very important. But even then, once I had become uh, you know a Christian and I was really going to church all the time, studying. Even then, I didn't realize all of the importance of Holy Week because the the church that I was attending only had uh, Palm Sunday service and Easter. And Palm Sunday uh, was also called uh, Passion Sunday because they did the Passion story at the same time. And, you know, Palm Sunday was something I didn't really know anything about because, you know, you don't hear about Palm Sunday when you're growing up and seeing my Easter. And the first time I showed up and they're having a Palm Sunday service, they're having a procession of the, of the palms around the buildings. They exit the, the sanctuary and walked around, the, walked around the block singing and carrying the palms and came back in through the building and walked through the whole building and ended up back in the sanctuary with the palms. And it was a lot of fun, but I had never done that before. And it was it was new to me. And I didn't I didn't understand the the um, symbolism involved in the ritual and why it was important, and it wasn't until uh, later that I I really understood the symbolism and the, and the ritual there. And it's I believe it's very important actually. And um, it's one of the things that having a virtual service it makes kind of difficult. We can't do we'll do a procession. Um, although maybe we can later uh, somehow. Maybe I'll get a GoPro. <laughs> we can do a, a procession that way or something. But why? Why is the procession so important? What makes Palm Sunday so interesting? Why, why is it an important date in its own right, not just as the beginning of, um, of the Holy Week? 
And I think a lot of churches, when they when they compress Palm Sunday and and Passion, you know, which would normally be Good Friday, but they make it Passion Sunday and put it in on Palm Sunday, they kind of overlook the importance of Palm Sunday. They they get right to the Passion part because the the uh, the crucifixion is, of course, a very important central story, uh, central narrative in in Christianity, and so they want to give that plenty of emphasis. And so the the Palm Sunday part of it gets really de-emphasized. So I think it's important to have separate services for that for that reason as well. So what what makes it so important? So if you're if you're watching the uh, the YouTube video or you're, or you're looking at something where you have the graphic here uh, and not just listening to the sermon, uh, you'll see I have I have a, a painting, and I I apologize I actually don't know the 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 painter. I should have put that information on here, but. This is a, a painting of Jesus entering Jerusalem on the back of a donkey uh, with his disciples all around uh, and with a procession of people carrying palm leaves. And, you know, I, I grew up in, in the U.S. and I've seen palm trees, but the, the palm leaves in, in Jerusalem are very big. They're, they're probably uh, two or three meters long. So you're talking about, you know... Uh, seven to ten feet something like that long they're they're very long um palm leaves and so that what the people were doing in this uh in the uh, story is that they were putting them out in front of jesus so that the, the donkey would walk on them interestingly enough not in what we read in luke so let me let me get back to the the actual reading of what we've what we've got here so what we have is we've been talking now for a while about jesus's ministry uh, as I mentioned before, Luke kind of breaks the ministry into into three components. One begins with Jesus' baptism uh, and and goes until um, uh, until uh, he uh, the, the until he's on the mountain with Elijah and and Moses, and that is his Galilean ministry. Then he turns and begins to go towards Jerusalem, and so from that point until uh, today, the entry into Jerusalem, that is his his ministry on the road to Jerusalem. And then now we begin the final phase of his ministry, which which is the, the Holy Week uh, that ends with his uh, crucifixion and resurrection. So Jesus' first uh, uh, section of ministry, his Galilee ministry, was about three years. And then um, on the Passover, three years in his ministry, he, he getting ready for the Passover uh, festival, he traveled to Jerusalem. So he's he's entering Jerusalem at the beginning of the Passover festival. He's, he's come as uh, all male Jews were, were asked to do, to come to the temple to worship for the Passover. And so he's come uh, to, to do that, and he's entering the city. And Luke mentions that as they get close, they come to the, the Mount of Olives, which is a hill that overlooks the city. So that when they come up on the Mount of Olives, they can see down and they can see Jerusalem. So as they, as they get close, as they get uh, to, Beth, to Bethany, Jesus asks uh, his disciples to go get a colt, a donkey, uh, that has never, been ridden, uh, has never been ridden before. And they go and they get it. And depending on how you look at the story, it could be that Jesus has, you know, um, you know knows in advance through some special knowledge that there will be um, a cult there, or it could be that they got the cult from a, one of Jesus' disciples. Bethany was a, a town that Jesus visited often. That's where Mary and, and Martha and Lazarus 
were. So that, that's a place that, that he would have been to many times. He probably had other disciples in that in that area. Maybe he had prearranged something for this cult. We don't know. It doesn't. The text doesn't say. But they go and they get the cult, and they put their clothes on it as kind of a makeshift saddle, and they put Jesus up on it, and they they lead him into town. Now this is important because this uh, harkens back to a prophecy in uh, Zechariah, in the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament, that says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Sing aloud, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king will come to you. He is righteous and victorious. He is humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the offspring of a donkey. This is from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And so the people, uh, Jesus' disciples would have known this saying. It was, they were all very interested in the coming Messiah. This was a, 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 um, a text about the coming Messiah. And so they're, they're, this would have been how expected for how the Messiah would have entered, on a, on a donkey, humbly coming on a donkey. Now, interestingly, uh, this, this story is told in all four of the Gospels. And uh, it, the, the three synoptic Gospels, what we call the synoptic Gospels, which are the ones that are more or less the same, uh, Matthew, um, um, Mark, and Luke, um, all tell basically the same story. They have slight differences. Luke doesn't mention the palms. And so we, we have this, this day called Palm Sunday, yet there are no palms in Luke's story. In Luke's story, the disciples just put down clothing um, on, the, on the ground so that the, the horse can walk across it. Uh, and in Matthew and Mark, they put down they put down the palms as well. I think the reason that that Luke left this part out is probably because he was trying to de-emphasize the political ramifications of this entry. Um, but that's actually one of the things that I want to talk about: the political ramifications of this entry, because by itself, on on its face, as someone who was not living at that time. The entry into Jerusalem and the the imagery of the palms and the imagery of the donkey and the imagery of the people, I mean, it's it's exciting, it's fascinating that everyone was coming and was interested in, in him, but it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like it doesn't it doesn't really mean anything to me special. But to the people of Jerusalem at the time, it it would have been very meaningful sim, uh, uh, symbolism, because Jesus was coming in first of all as the Messiah was supposed to do in this verse I quoted from Zechariah, but also coming in as a, as a king, as a ruler would come into the city in a procession being led by somebody on, in this case, on a donkey, you know, a king would come in on a horse, you know, a war horse or something, um, a chariot, you know, some, some fine thing, but he was coming in humbly on a donkey. Um, and he would have had standard bearers carrying his standard and, and the you know the people would have would have bowed down before him as he went, and they would have thrown um, flowers and 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 um, palm leaves and things into the street as a sign of you know of affection for the ruler and, and all of this. And so this is very much a uh, a um, a turning of of this traditional way that a ruler would have come into the city. But Lucas, I think Lucas is trying to downplay this, and and, and he mentions. He mentions then he gives a, a a line that is not in the other gospels that that I read where he says that um, the the Pharisees say to Jesus, "Tell your disciples to cut this out, 
to tell you, please tell them to stop this. And we don't get their their intonation. We don't get their you know, their body language in the story, so we don't know. It's possible that they were just angry at Jesus because they they thought that he was was full of himself or that his you know, something like that. But I think it's also uh, just as likely, and and really perhaps more likely, that they're concerned about the way it will look to the Romans, because the Passover festival was the largest festival of the year in in Judea, and the Roman um, uh, governor Pontius Pilate, who was in charge of the of the area, was always concerned about religious uprising. There had been several. Uh, several uh, kind of things that had come up where the Jewish people had had kind of tried to revolt or had 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 done something in in a in, in you know trying to ferment uprising and and certainly about thirty years after this thirty five or something years after this uh, there would be a revolt a large revolt that would eventually result in the destruction of of the temple and um, kind of the sacking of, of Jerusalem by by the Romans so Pontius Pilate and the Roman authorities were would be concerned about uprisings during Passover, during the religious um, fervent and the, the religious um, mood that this large event would have brought. And so to see Jesus riding in as a ruler, uh, as a king, coming into the city like this and having the people respond in this way could have been politically dangerous for the Pharisees and for the ruling, the, the religious leaders, and for the Jews in general, just the people of Judea in general. And so I think that when the when the Pharisees tell Jesus to, you know, hey, tell your disciples to cut it out, I think they're really worried about this more than anything else. But Jesus' response is, you know, if they didn't say it, the rocks would say it. You know, the, the in other words, even if there were no, if there was nobody here to, to claim who I am, the very earth would would show who I am. You know, he's he's saying it's just inevitable. This this thing that's happening is inevitable. So there's one other thing I think is really interesting about this this image of Jesus riding in like a king into the city. Now Luke has has it um, says that it's just the disciples, and, and and when Luke uses disciples, he doesn't mean the twelve apostles. He uses a different term for them. He means the larger group of people who were following Jesus, and so. For, for Luke, this is a very um, kind of insider's event. All the, the disciples are coming, and they're, they're the ones who are excited. They're the ones who are, who are um, calling out Hosanna, Hosanna. They're, they're the ones who are, are saying all these things. Um, but in the other Gospels, it's not just the disciples, but the people in general of the city who are excited because they've heard all these amazing things about Jesus and they're excited to see him come in. And they, they think many of them, I think, think that he may be the Messiah um, who might throw down the Roman government and, and give back control of, of Judea to its people because that's how they thought of the, the Messiah. They don't realize that it's in his weakness that he has strength and not in his, not in physical strength and, you know, military power. So, Something that isn't talked about very much about this, that w- why I think this is so interesting, is that there was another procession happening at the same time. So this isn't recorded in in our in the scriptures, and um, for a long time it was kind of forgotten about until uh, some historians and church historians and, and such uh, dug into it some and, and found out that it kind of made some connections. But Pontius Pilate, the the Roman governor, 
didn't live in Jerusalem. Um, he lived in uh, Caesarea, which which was a, a large Roman city on on um, the Mediterranean, and he you know he ruled from there. But he would have come to Jerusalem during Passover because of the things I just mentioned about being concerned about the um, the possibility of uprising or or of looting or rioting or whatever, and so he would have come to. Uh, to Jerusalem at the beginning of Passover to oversee what was going on. And he would have made an impression. He would have been trying to make an impression on the people saying, look, the Romans are here now. Don't try anything. You know, don't, no, no funny business. We're here and we're watching you. And so when he came into the city, he would have also had a, a, a Roman procession, you know, with, with chariots and with horses and with standard bearers and his army and, and, you know, uh, flowers and the, the whole bit. But he would have come in through the western gate of the city, which is on the side of the city that, that Caesarea is. That he, so he would have come in from there. But, uh, and from the, you know, from the Mediterranean, if you think of it, you know, that way. But Jesus is coming in from the hills on the, in the east through the, through kind of through the back door. If you, you know, he, he's coming in kind of from, through a back entrance, um, the eastern entrance to the city. So you have these two these two leaders, these two these two rulers, these two kings of very different things that are both entering the city at a, at about the same time. And so we have set up this dichotomy. And I think that to the original readers of the text who you know were still living in the Roman Empire, this would have been an obvious thing that we just don't understand because we're we're so far disconnected from the context the original context of the of the writing but one of the things that Jesus uh, will talk about during this week that he's there he'll be, he'll be talking about uh you know who's who who is king you know god or or caesar you know uh, is it the the powers and principalities of the world or is it god who is really in control of things who's really the king of things and there'll be a lot of comparison between the the kingdom of God, uh, with Jesus at the at the head of it, and the kingdom of man with Caesar at the head of it, and and how those two interact and their differences, and here we see this being played out. We see military power and might entering through the western gate. Uh, what would have been a show of military power to to. Exp- show the the people that they should not revolt they should not cause any problems and at the same time in the eastern gate we have a a humble entrance of a religious leader right humbly coming in on a donkey with his disciples who are carrying palm branches instead of standards and um, not no weapons and all this kind of thing and this i think this dichotomy is is both really important and lost on us in modern as modern readers if we don't know that history so why is this procession important? Why do I think it's good to have a Palm Sunday uh, service? Why do, I, why do I really like, I really like the liturgical thing of carrying the palms through <laughs> through the, uh, the church and everything? Because I think it's important for us to remember that even though we live within the kingdom of man, and even though we, we we need to be good citizens and we need to be involved in our in our governments and we need to be um, 
you know, doing doing what is what is required of us as good citizens. At the end of the day, we should look to God for our for our meaning in life, for our um, leadership, and not to our elected officials and not to our public servants. We should really be understanding that that it is God who is in control of our lives and not the powers and principalities of the world. And and through his death and resurrection, Jesus will, will show us as we continue through Holy Week this exact thing, that, that God has conquered over those powers. The powers and principalities try to, to, to kill Jesus, try to get rid of his message, try to stamp out his followers, and yet in the end, he is victorious over them, and his message spreads and his followers uh, continue to this very day. So with that, I want you to think about that as we enter Holy Week. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And how do you balance the need to be a good citizen and be, um, be in the world and be part of the world with the need at the same time to live up to uh, what God has asked of you? Amen.